If you were here last week, I mean, you missed one Sunday. I was here last week, and we got unnamed. How many of you were here? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, wow. No, anyway, I'm just here to tell you that in the shifting of um, multiple locations to a family of churches, in the shifting of the word solid rock to unnaming that and just really focusing on that word Jesus churches, and we're here in Sunset, and there's Bridgetown and Westside. I'm totally behind. It was a weird one. I'm like, you're going to announce it while I'm in Africa? But that's just the way it worked out, but I'm totally behind it. I'm one of the elders on the team, and I'm thrilled about all that God is doing. If you missed last week, though, uh, every year in September, we're going to do this Vision Day. And so if you missed last Sunday, please go back and listen to that. And John Mark, who's uh, the lead pastor and one of the elders, is going to give a message every year on behalf of the team so that even though we're all over the city and we're meeting in different places, we're all staying on the same page, all right? And so tonight, all we want to do is because we're beginning a week of prayer and fasting and seeking God, is to kind of review a little bit of what he was talking about in terms of what the church is and what the church is for, and then talk about the church's calling to pray. Make sense? So it's not, not that hard. So what we're going to do is first just look at what the church is all about. So Romans 1, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to skim through real quick, make a few points, and then move to prayer. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who were called to belong to Christ Jesus, to all in Rome who are loved by God, and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's beginning of Romans, and Paul is laying out on the front end who he is and what the church is about, and then it gets into the gospel. Now turn to the right, if you would. That's Romans 1. Hold your finger in Romans, or put a bookmark, and go to 1 Corinthians uh, 1. So just, it's the next book over. Just just skim a few pages. Romans has 16 chapters. Just take a minute. 1 Corinthians 1. And what we want to do is just survey and find some like common themes and build on it. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. I'll read just the first few verses. Same guy writing. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those uh, everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. All right? Um, you, you, you read like half the same words. Go to the right uh, to Galatians. So go past 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians. Again, we're going to tie it together, but it's good just to see it. What we're going to see is a common theme and we're going to point out two things that are in all of these. But a good reminder for us all, right? Galatians, you got it? Galatians 1 and verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, 
but by Christ Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. All right, this is getting redundant because it's almost exactly the same thing. So we'll just do one more. Go to the right. One more after Galatians is what? Oh, way to go. Um, Ephesians 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, two things I just want us to see. This is all rudimentary, but it's really important because our view of what church is and what church is supposed to be may not always be in alignment alignment with what the scriptures teach. And so all we want to do is during seven, because if you've never been a part of this, there are churches from all around the city that are gathering in church buildings all around the city every night together to pray for God to move in our city. So it's, it's good to stop and think, who are we and what are we about? Two things that you see, and if you go back to Romans 1, I'll point it out there, but you could, you could point it out in each and every one of those. Um, uh, two things that we see. Number one, if you're a note taker, that there is a people. Uh, there's always a people. Now, in some of these texts, uh, Paul uses the word church, ecclesia, the called out ones. In other places, he uses God's holy people or God's chosen people or people loved by God. Uh, you see that in Romans uh, 1.7. Just look at Romans 1.7. To all in Rome who are loved by God, called to be his holy people, that church is always about a people. And again, the more and more that we're in a culture that has buildings and we see the buildings often as the church, I'm going to church, we can miss the heartbeat of God's intention. Ecclesia, a people that are called out, that are loved by God and called to Jesus Christ. It's all about us as a people. Second thing that you see in all of these, and kind of like just foundation for us to build on tonight, is a place. Look at, look at Romans 1.7. To all in Rome, to the church of God in Corinth, to God's people in Ephesus. Uh, in Galatia, it says to the churches in Galatia, because Galatia wasn't a city, it was a region with multiple churches. But they're so tight and close that he writes to all of these local churches in this region called Galatia. Same thing at Philippi. Paul, again and again, He's writing to a people defined by a place. Now, why is this important? We want to ask the question tonight, what are we here for? What are we here for as a community? Now, we talk about it a lot. So for some of you who've been here since the beginning, this is a bit of review. But as we pray, we want to be on the same page. We're thoroughly convinced that we are for a few things. And Romans 1 is just going to give us the outline Tonight, four things in Romans 1 that we're for. Now, in terms of what is a church, church is a people, church is a place. But what is the church for? Four things from the text back in Romans 1. First thing is uh, that we are a people for God. The, the church is about God. Notice it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, Roman, Romans 1, 1, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of what? God. The church is, is God's idea. It's God's ideal. This is, this is about the worship of God. 
So church isn't just about us. We are a people called to worship the living God. So church has to be about God first. Notice in verse 7 again, to all in Rome who are loved by God. So church is about God. Now that's kind of like rudimentary, fundamental, but it's important. Second thing is that we see that church is about people. Look at verse 6. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You are those people among the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who are called to belong. So, so church is about God. It's about the worship of God. But church is also about us connecting to God and connecting to one another. Now, the third thing is tied to that. Again, this is all, sorry for like the super basics, but this is, this is going to be important. The third thing is it's about God. It's about a people. It's about a place or a location. We said this before, verse 7, to all in Rome. So it's not like that church is just about like billions of people around the world connected to this one God. There is something about um, us being tied to a location, uh, a specific place. It may be for you uh, as defined as your neighborhood. You are a part of the people of God. We happen to live in the Bethany neighborhood. So we're a part of the people of God who live in, in Bethany. Now, we, we can even drill it down. We're in a subdivision. So we are part of the people of God, called to serve God, love God, in our subdivision. But we're also a part of the people of God who are living on the Sunset Corridor. We're part of the people of God who are living in the city of Portland. When I say city of Portland, I don't mean like the proper city, 550,000 people, but the two plus million who live in the Metroplex. We're a part of this larger community. And so when we think church, again, this is basics, it is about God, who's above all and the creator of all. It is about us being called out to be connected to him and then defined by a place. Now, why is this huge? Be because what are we here for? We are praying for God to move in specific locations, in specific streets, in specific homes, in specific schools. And this is part of God's design. It's about him. It's about a people. It's about a place. But then it goes wider it is also, the fourth thing I want you to see here is, it is about the world. Look at verse 5. Through him, through, through God, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. So, you do have, in, in the scriptures, you have Paul writing to a church in Rome. And he hasn't been there yet. But Rome is the center of the known world, and Paul sees himself as someone who's called by God on mission to places. So he moves to Corinth, and he moves to Philippi, and he moves to Galatia for seasons of time because God's working in these local places. But it is also wider that our calling is to love God, to love his people, to love the place that we live and love God there, and reflect God there, and then in doing that, not get so hyper-focused on the small or the concrete or my block, but to also have a vision for the world. So Paul, when he's writing in Romans, uh, he's writing to them in Rome because he's moving. He's been preaching in the east, and he's moving west. And Rome is the center of the empire, and Paul wants to go all the way west to Spain. 
So he writes this group of people because he's on the mission of God and he wants them to be his new home base so that when he gets to Rome, they're ready for him and that they'll financially send him onto the mission of God uh, in Spain. And we don't know if he actually made it to Spain or not, but that was his intention. So four things as a grid that kind of focus us. We got God, we got people, we have our location, but we also have the world. Now, all of that was intro to ask ourselves tonight, we're going to be praying for the next seven days, what do we want to focus on, on God, on people, on local place of the world? I think for us as a community, I'm speaking to us here at Sunset, that let's take these next seven days and really wrestle with the local place or the local community or local city, however you want to define it. Let's begin to ask ourselves, what does it mean for us to be a church that's called to live and serve and, and share the gospel here? Why do I ask that? Because as we, as we bring out specific prayer requests, let's not just be thinking about the world. Let's pray for that, of course. Let's just not think about the glory of God, of course. But let's, let's take the next seven days and begin to ask, God, you put me here for like a reason. Reawaken the purpose to which you called me right here. And we want to see God move, yes, all across the Portland metro area, but we want to see him move in the Sunset Corridor, don't we? And that's why we're here. That's why, that is why a church was planted here because most of you live here or you work here, you have relationships here. So we want to focus our prayer and our attention on what it means to be a church that is called to reach the Sunset Corridor. And, and, and what, is, what does that mean? Before we go and, and flip in your Bible to Romans 8, we're going to define uh, what we're going to pray for. But as we move towards Romans 8, the reason we have to think about what it means to be a church in a place is because we come from all sorts of views of what it means to be a part of a church. For many, and I, I don't know if I'm speaking about myself or, or you, maybe you'll identify this, for many, we think of church as something that we do on the weekend. Uh, church is the 90 minutes or so that you spend going to a building, being with a group of people, worship and teaching and giving and serving, and, and that's it. But I think what we want to see God do in these next seven days is to, to reorient my mindset to what it means to be a part of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the people of God. What does it mean for me to be a part of a church? And we're seeing a shift all across the U.S. And people are asking the questions because the thought was for a while, if you would just build bigger buildings and have bigger programs, that more people's lives would be transformed. And I think history has shown that's not necessarily the case. You could, you could build bigger buildings and have more seats and bigger stages and bigger programs and sound and lights and all that. It doesn't mean that people's lives are going to be transformed by the gospel. We need to reorient our mindset to church being, yes, the gathering, something we do every week. John Mark was talking about this last week. But also the scattering. What does it mean to be the church seven days a week, spread out in the neighborhoods that we live, in the offices where we work, in the schools where we attend, we want to recapture that sense. Um, one thing that I have been learning is in my 13 years of going to Uganda, it's been super helpful, is to see the Ugandan view of church and the U.S. view of church and how diametrically opposed those are and how so much uh, we have to learn from our friends 
who are in developing countries or the, the wor majority world, maybe the poorer countries, but those places where the church is exploding, when you identify yourself as a part of a church in Uganda, no one's thinking Sunday morning only. You, 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 this is your family, literally. So the sharing of resources. I was sitting now with uh, my friend, Pastor JP, with the church in Arua. We're having some meetings. And as the meetings are going, there are people from his church, ebb and flow, sharing needs, asking for prayer, needing resources. It really is a tight-knit family, not just something that you casually feel a part of. Um, and church for them is not just the Sunday expression, but it also is home to home. And, and everyone in a Ugandan church, not everyone, but I'm going to say 80% or above, they meet for prayer, if not daily, at least weekly, just for prayer. Like for us, you know, to do seven days of prayer in a row, they're like, oh, you know, it's like a yawn. Because like, oh, yeah, well, we do overnight prayer once a week. Like, Oh, right. You know, we, we, because their minds are reoriented that when you come into the family of God, it's your whole life, and you're a part of this community. And so you're living and doing life together and not just fracturing and making, you know, this is my work life, this is my home life, and there's my, my church life. And the beauty about life in Uganda is that I've seen this one church in Kampala. It's called um, uh, Gaba Community Church. And when I went there about 13 years ago, their story, they started in a tent, and it was just in this poor village part of Kampala, and they just erected a tent on some rented land, and over the years, how that church is now part of the central fabric of Gaba, this, call it the Hillsboro, of, of their community. Started in a piece of land with a little bit of a tent and few people, but there's so much need, and the people of God, the church, just rose up to meet the local needs of the people in their little town. And so generosity is just part of the fabric, and sacrifice was part of the fabric of their culture, and prayer is part of the fabric of their culture. And so they started sponsoring kids to go to school. Um, this was more than 13 years ago, but when I got into it, there was a few hundred people that they were sponsoring to go to, go to school and provide school fees and uniforms and food and clothing. And that one, one church is so integrated that Gaba Community Church has probably, in the Kampala area, about 600 kids that they're helping to go, go to school. And everyone pays a school fee in Uganda. It's not free. Even public education, you have to pay to, for part of it. But the church is helping to sponsor 600 kids in Kampala alone and probably about 5,000 kids around the country. This is a church right in the heartbeat of it the, because they felt called to their city and the medical needs are just astronomical. But by the grace of God, they've got a clinic so the church is integrated in the healthcare of their, of their community. The church is involved in everything. You can't go to anywhere in the Gaba region without getting touched with the people of God because they embrace a, a holistic view of what it means to be the church. Now, why am I saying this? I'm saying it because for the last 13 years, it's given me a greater vision of what it can mean for us to be the church in our community. Now, what are the specifics? For them, it was meeting the practical needs of their people. So kids and education and medical, it became leadership development. So they de developed a leadership development institute. Well, then people needed training in the Bible, so they started a Bible school. And then they had all these kids graduating. They've actually started a Christian university. By the grace of God, this humble church 
in a, a corner of Kampala is making a profound impact. So much so that they have 100 plus churches that have been planted all across the country. One local church. And it's over these last 13 years, give me a greater vision of what it might look like if we saw ourselves as a family of God on the mission of God together. All of that to say, with that kind of framework, that church is for God, yes, church is for people, church is for place, let's think about what we want to pray about. What does it mean for you to be a part of this church, and what part are you going to play? Romans 8 is where we're going to help define out for us what we can focus in our attention this week. Romans 8, verse 22. Romans 8, 22 says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24. For in this, we, in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for already, already, what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, um, in, in this passage here, we see three metaphors that are going to play into each other, three metaphors that all have to do with childbearing. This whole idea of groaning and pains of childbirth, these are almost violent metaphors. When, when Paul is... He's just finished talking about the gospel. Romans 1 through 8 is his explanation of the gospel. And on the tail end of it, as he thinks about the gospel and the people of God and the call of God to their city, it stirs him to pray. And in this prayer, he's thinking, of how am I, I going to spell this out? And so he uses the analogy of, of childbirth. Now, I, I've never given birth to a child. <laughs> Hello. You know, it's quite obvious. But I was there when Joan and Alina were born, and I did hold the hand of a pregnant woman, and, which is dangerous, you know. And the, the, again, and this is, this is with, like, medication, but it's still, and so the crushing of the hand, I can relate to. But the pains of childbirth, when you think about what it means to pray for our city and groan for what's happening, Paul is saying, this isn't a, yeah, I'm in Hillsborough, and this, you know, some people are doing well. We've got a new baseball team. Rah, 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 go hops. Like, you know, and oh, we got some construction across the street. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony. Is this the largest construction project in the world or one of the? In the U.S.? Definitely. Is this the largest project in the state of Oregon's history? The largest construction project in, in, in the history of our state is right across the street. So, so there are definitely some haves, new jobs and opportunities and new baseball team and new shopping centers and new construction, all that. But would you agree that there's some have-nots as well? And so as we look at our city and think about if we are a people called to God, called to be a people together, called to a place, called to the world, how do we posture ourselves to pray? The analogy is, uh, you know, child, child, bearing. 
It's not light and, you know, give me my latte, cross my legs, you know, Jesus, we got 10 minutes, me and you. No, it is expectancy. A woman about to give birth is looking towards the prize, but right before the prize is pain. Would you agree? And so we are eagerly expecting God to move in our city. I'm not alone in this. I think there are many of us here who have this sense in our soul that the Spirit of God has aligned all this up for a reason. And he's called you to this place, and he's called me to this place, and he's put us in this building, and he's beginning to stir in our hearts things not for ourselves, but for the good of the people around us. And so as we think about this week, let's go into it with that sense, that posture, that analogy of childbearing. Let's be willing to crunch in and sacrifice and go through the hard work of prayer. Why? So that God will make clear to us the things he wants us to do. There are things he's not yet revealed to us as a community. There are people and groups of people in our city that we don't even know we're called to reach yet, but if we pray, God will answer. Would you agree? If we'll seek, we'll find. If we'll knock, the door will be open to us, but we need to be in a posture of prayer that is like childbearing, where we really feel the pain of it. What does that mean? Three things here. Verse 22, let's look at it. Verse 22 says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. The whole creation is groaning. Three things that are groaning here. If you're a note taker, that will be helpful to you. All of creation is groaning. The world, in one sense, is in a mess. Um, Paul is thinking back here to Genesis 3 and Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall of of mankind and what, what was perfect And the way God intended was destroyed when human beings, men and women, decided to sin. And Paul, when he's thinking about the gospel, what God wants to do, he's realizing that all of creation is right now in a state of disarray because of sin. But we know that God is remaking the world. And one day, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we'll make all things new. So we're sitting in this weird period of history Yes, because Jesus is risen from the dead, anything's possible. At one point, Jesus says, I'm going to return. There's going to be new heavens, new earth. We're going to have a resurrection body. But until then, here we are. We know that the future is secure. We know that God is going to make all things new. And right now, he's making us new. Anyone who's a follower of Jesus is a what? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we're a people who've been made new and are being made new, but we live in a world that's a mess and where crime is real and suffering is real and poverty is real. Um, I heard a stat, and I'm I'm probably slightly off, but I was talking to the principal of Liberty, not this uh, September, but last September, and he was telling me that more than half of the students at Liberty High School are on reduced lunch or free lunch, which just says that the economics in the homes of at least half of the students at Liberty, and I'm probably wrong on that, Linda. It, it, it may be higher. I don't know. But when you realize that maybe potentially half of the families that are in a high school within a walking distance from here are struggling financially, the, all creation is groaning. There are people right now in their homes that are groaning and without hope. The second group that is groaning, that's verse 22. Look at verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves are groaning. We ourselves groan. We who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship. 
So creation, it's just not the way it should be. And, and it's expecting God to come. We as the people of God, we're groaning because we're not there yet. And then the third group, um, or the third part that groans, is the Spirit. Look at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What I want us to see here is this whole imagery of standing in there is, is not distant, it's not apart, it's creation, us, the Spirit are all in the middle of it groaning because things are not the way they ought to be. Things are not the way that they should be. And now we know because the gospel, God can make all things new. But what does that mean for us as a church? It says that the Spirit is in the middle of it all groaning. The Spirit is involved with people's pain right now. The Spirit is trying to work and soften the hearts of people who are far from God right now so that when we speak the gospel, they will be saved. The Spirit is working within us as a community as we groan. Point is that the church, us, the people of God, are called to be in the middle of pain, not outside of it, saying, wow, we're fine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for rescuing me. But we're called to live in the middle of pain and pray. Paul's talking about all this groaning is about prayer. That my prayers are because I'm in the middle of it. It's hard to pray for people's struggles that you don't know about. Would you agree? If you want to pray for a move of God in your neighborhood, what does that require? It requires that I also take a step and find out what's going on in my neighborhood. So we want to be a community that is actively involved in every area of our society, in every area of our culture, and standing with the Spirit of God as the people of God and groaning, praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, where on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it may be a very different view from what you have seen in the past as church to be. Yes, we come together, we gather, we're the people of God, but we're the people of God who live in a city in a place for the good of those who are far from God. So in the, in the city right now, we have this mix of joy and pain. Uh, on the Sunset Corridor, there's so many good things happening in Washington County, especially on this far end. There is economic revival in some areas of it. There are increasing number of job opportunities. There are those who are struggling without a job and underemployed. And so we as a church we want to be a thermometer, so to speak. We want to be in the middle of it and know the temperature of the, of the people that we're called to love and serve. So yes, we gather, and yes, this week we fast, we pray, so that, and here's the reason to do this. At the end of seven days, I pray that God gives you specific things that he might be calling you, uh, not just you, but maybe you and your missional community, you and your group of Christian friends, you and your Bible study, you and whoever, you and your family, that he would be calling you to new things that he wants to do for the good of our city. The reason we're praying is not just that God would bless us and bless our church and bless the people of God, but we're praying that God will give us fresh direction. Now, uh, I'm going to end tonight before we go and worship and pray with six things uh, that should frame our prayer. But Before we get to that, why is this so important? Sunset was planted three years ago. There was a group praying, what should we do about what is happening in the church 
formerly known as Solid Rock, you know, uh, uh, that was meeting on Nimbus three years ago. Downtown had just been planted, but there was a sense that there were hundreds of people living in the Sunset Corridor, driving over to Tigard to go to church. Out of prayer, three years ago, the very concept of what's happening right now was birthed. God took a few people. It was, it was John Mark. It was Phil. It was a few other leaders, Tony and others, that were just praying, God, what do you want to do? Two years ago, on September 11th, uh, we got together for the first time for people interested in praying about starting a new community here. So what we do in this exercise of coming together and groaning and seeking God, it really makes a difference because that began these gatherings. Two, um, two years ago, while we were at that first prayer meeting, it led us into seven. And it was during seven, some of you, this is review, it was during seven that I bumped into a pastor I did not know, whose name is Brian Kangas, and he leads a church called Branches that meets in this building. And it was during seven, two years ago, that I walked into this building for the first time. And at the door, the, at the exit door over there, Brian said, hey, if you guys ever need a place to meet, we'd love to open our doors and love to have you meet here. So out of the group, the community, which was just a couple of hundred people just praying, out of that, God provided the very place that we're sitting in. And now you think about all that has happened. And now we're in this new season where we're looking and seeking God for the next place for us to gather in. What happens over the next seven days matters. And so I'm calling you to join with the Spirit, join with the people of God, and let's groan, not just for ourselves, but that God would posture us into a place where we could be more effective for the community that we love and want to serve. Make sense? Now, six things, you can write them down real quick, not rocket science, that we want want to frame our prayer life. Number one, we want to pray prayers that are wide. Write it down. I think we'll have it on the screen. Prayer that is wide. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning. We need God to touch every area of society. So let's learn to pray big and think about areas that we normally don't pray for. Uh, pray for park and rec. We're blessed to have Doug, uh, Doug and Ann Menke as part of our group here. And Doug leads uh, Tualatin Valley Park and Rec. And how many employees? There's, there's, how many? Uh, a little over 200. A little t- over 200. And how many parks are there within the system? I'm, I'm testing you here. 200, 200 parks. That what God is doing in, the, in people's health and well-being all around the city, you, you may not know this, that God has his people in Tualatin Valley Park and Rec, and he's a part of our community. What would happen if we started praying for our public parks, that there'd be a move of God on the running trails, and that God would rule and reign as people get together? You say, well, that sounds weird. God wants to touch everyone everywhere. God wants all of creation to be redeemed. What if we started praying for new housing developments before they were built? That there'll be a move of God on these empty lots. It sounds wacko, but what if we prayed that God would bring people who are far from him to that particular flat, empty lot so that they would hear the gospel? What if we started to pray that because of all this intel expansion as engineers are brought around from the country and the world, that God would bring the world to us, which, by the way, he already has done in the city of Hillsborough. Have you noticed? India is here. (laughs) Have you noticed? Someone's like, how is the church going to reach the world? Knock on your next door neighbor's door and have some curry. I mean, no lie, (laughs) right? God has brought brought a huge Hispanic population 
to the city of Hillsboro. God has uniquely positioned us. Let's learn to pray wide, big. Let's pray for areas that we haven't even thought about yet. Two, prayer that is unified. Uh, the reason we do seven together with other churches is because we believe that we're not the Jesus church. We're just one of them. And so I encourage you this week as you gather in various churches here in the morning and then in various churches in the evening, who, who might God be linking you with to serve with that you may bump into at a prayer meeting tomorrow night? You never know. A prayer that is unified. Look at verse 23. He says, not only so, but we ourselves, we, 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 Paul's not praying by himself. Paul's praying with his community. He's praying for the community in community. Uh, the third thing, prayer that is honest, verse 23. But not only we are, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Paul says clearly the reason we groan is partly because we're not fully, we're not fully all that we should be. And so in one sense, the, there's a mess in the church. Uh, we, we have struggles. We have problems. We have family issues. We have interpersonal conflicts. We, th there are all sorts of things within the churches that we want to see God redeem. So let's pray big prayers, unified prayers, prayers that are together, prayers that are honest. There'll be seasons of confession in our morning prayer time where we just go before the Lord and we ask him to examine us. We want to be uh, created in the image of God. We want to be transformed by the Spirit of God. And so it's prayers for our transformation, not just for the good of the city. Prayer that is hopeful. We're not praying wishing that God might do something. We're praying confident that he will do something. Look at verse 4. For in this, we hope, uh, for in this hope we're saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Where have we seen God work? As we pray, we pray our prayers that are hopeful. Look at all that God has done in the first 18 months of our community. It's ridiculously awesome. All that he's been doing in your life and in mine and in our lives together. So as we pray, we pray with expectancy. God, you did provide a place for us to gather. You will provide a place for us to gather. God, you have rescued a family here and a family there. God, we know you will rescue people who are far from you. Number five, prayer that is patient. Because we have hope, we wait for it patiently. Some of the things that we pray for now, we may not see God do for another 10 or 15 years, right? Just because we pray at this moment doesn't mean we see the answer to our prayer. I think the reason that this community is here now because some of you were probably praying for years before sunset was started, that there would be an expression of God's people right here. And so we know that right now we're praying for things that maybe your kids will see come to pass. So we pray with patience. If we don't see it in 10 minutes, we're not going to go to the person at the drive-thru and say, hurry up, God! Like, you know, I mean, we want our coffee. We're, we're, we don't even want to get out anymore. We want our coffee and drive-thru, amen? You know, we just want to see it. We want to get it fast and move on. Prayer doesn't work that way. We pray patiently. The Spirit knows what he's doing. And number six, prayer that is in the Spirit. And, and verse 26 is curious. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us 
through wordless groans. And that's really intriguing. Um, many people uh, here think that, that Paul's talking about prayer in tongues, prayer in unknown languages, and that there is this mystery that the Holy Spirit somehow in our, part of our prayer time, sometimes we don't know what to pray for, but that the Spirit enables us to pray the will of God in ways that we don't understand. Either way, we're not just praying with our human intellect. We're asking the Spirit to even lead us and guide us. So some of you think, Jose, I don't do prayer meetings. Like, you know, I'll go, I'll go do something. If you want me to volunteer, I'll lift a chair, I'll serve coffee. But I encourage you, if you feel like, and I'll confess, I'm fairly weak when it comes to prayer. It's one of the weakest part of spiritual disciplines in my own world. But I am better when I do it together. And I encourage you, press in this week. No one's taking attendance, and Jesus doesn't love you more if you make all seven days. Like, you know, you're not here to impress God. But maybe the Spirit wants to stretch you in even how you pray and what you pray for. One more thing, that's the six, but one more thing I'm asking all of us to pray for and a little bit of an update. We have for the last few months been saying that we believe that the Spirit is leading us to find a different place to gather in. And I want to clarify that because uh, there's been a little bit of confusion. We love it here and we love our relationship with Branches Church and we could meet here indefinitely. But we do believe that God is calling us to open up a morning gathering as well so that we can reach more people who can't come on a Sunday night, but who can come on a Sunday morning. So we've got a team that has been looking. Scott Wagner's part of that team, and Scott Ballard is on a, uh, a plane coming back, and Steve Marshman, who's home ill, and others have been looking. And so we've been continuing to narrow down places. Good news that I've been saying is there are multiple options, and we are wrestling now with a few. And so would you pray this week uh, specifically for God to lead this crew uh, to, to, to the place, the, the number one place that we feel would be best suited for us as a community. And, and when we have that, it'll be clear we're pretty much an open book. We'll come back and we'll report. We'll give you the address. We'll invite you to go and pray over it. We'll, we'll tell you about what that might cost and the timelines and all that. That's to come. But right now, we're at a pivotal point in our young church's history. And I think that God is going to explode us with new opportunities to serve people. We're not shifting buildings to make our lives more convenient. Hear me clearly. That's not the point. That is a waste of time. But we do feel our call is to serve our community. And we want to be able to serve our community more fully and more deeply. And another space will enable that. So would you commit to pray this week on top of everything else that God would make clear to our leadership? And I hope to report in the next few weeks what the Spirit does. Well, um, that's, that's the uh, teaching for tonight. We want to end with a verse in, in Jesus' prayer. He teaches us to pray. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the worship team's going to come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the, the series that we're in right now. On earth or in Hillsboro as it is in heaven. In Beaverton as it is in heaven. In your cul-de-sac as it is in heaven, in your cubicle, as it is in heaven, at your coffee shop, as it is in heaven. Let's pray this week that we will see God move in power. Amen? Let's even pray.